if you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hire this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going to Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to MarcellaAlonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did Hello and welcome to Get Schooled with Marcella Lonzo. Today, my guest is Alexandra Hunt. Thank you so much. I am so happy to that you, I get a chance to interview you because I watched your whole campaign. Um, for my audience, listeners out there and everybody else, please introduce yourself and um, tell everybody who you are. My name is Alexandra Hunt. I have actually run for two different political offices, have been on the campaign trail for three years. I ran for Congress in PA3, which is most of Philadelphia. It's the North, the West, and South Philly. And then after that, I ran for City Controller, who is the person that uh, holds the government accountable for spending money the way it's supposed to, the local government of Philadelphia. And just wrapped up that campaign trail in May. My background is in public health and my congressional race became actually internationally known because I was transparent about the fact that during college, I worked as a stripper. And during that campaign, I actually had a troll saying that, you know, I can't wait for you to lose so that you'll just be a loser on OnlyFans. And so I clapped back at that troll and made an OnlyFans while on the campaign because OnlyFans is not a place for losers. Great, great. Um, So what brought the interest for you to go into politics? I never thought that I would end up in politics. I Mm -hmm thought growing up that I was too left wing for this country. And then I saw Bernie Sanders presidential campaign in 2016. And I thought, okay, maybe I have a place here. And then when the pandemic hit, that was kind of a a do or die moment for me of like, well, what are you going to do about this? Because our government failed us on all levels. We needed resources to the ground desperately. People died. A lot of people died. A lot of people were vulnerable and exposed to the the natural disaster that was happening, the pandemic. And then on top of that, there's rampant homelessness and a lack of health care and an education crisis and so on and so forth. And uh, I felt a call to action and and jumped into running for office. And 
with your past, which my your you both you and I have the similar past, you faced a lot of scrutiny and stigmatize. Mm-hmm. Um, you were only working basically just to take care of your tuition, but and it was a very hard decision. What made you be open about your p- prior occupation? Well, it there were a couple of thoughts behind it. Uh, my my concern was that I was going. I was going to run for office and what if somebody from my past recognized me Mm -hmm. and said, wait, I know her in a very different context. And then that story came forward and it could be weaponized against me. Whereas if I led with that vulnerability, then it couldn't be used against me. And what it actually did, I, I also wanted to make sure that no one felt shame for that being part of their past or current or future. Uh, And I think that if we don't talk about things, if we try to push it into the shadows, then it shows that there is shame that creates a culture of marginalization, which further harms a community that I had no interest in harming and actually supporting. Right. No, I applaud you for that, because when you were running the campaign, it was very much of a big relief because of all the years of me trying to go and get a normal job that it was always impossible or, you know, the lack of job experience. And, and a lot of people don't understand that the way the economy is today, it's impossible to live. You know, um, when I was luckily, you know, I have two daughters, both are in college right now, two adult daughters. Uh When I was young, when I was in college, I was able to afford my college because I actually danced. Uh, I didn't take out any grants. I didn't take any loans. And I also at the time had a child going throughout college. But it was very, you know, it was very difficult. And I did support myself doing that. Now with me watching both of my daughters in college, I I can't see how any family, unless they're, you know, they have a high income or any middle class family could, you know, support a child going through college. It's very difficult. So, you know, we're seeing an increase. I have noticed through the years, because I've been doing it since 1995, I've noticed a ton of increase of sex workers, just because you can't afford to live even on minimum wage to pay your rent. It's ridiculous. Right. It's just a, it's a impossible system. um, And also you know, the college system now with the loans, people don't really understand that, um, what's going on, like with the, uh, explain to me uh, what's going on currently with the student debt, because I'm kind of out of the loop. I just go to my older daughter and she gives me feedback, but. Yeah, well, what's going on with the student debt? The Biden administration uh, said that they were going to cancel up to $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients and $10,000 for everyone else up to a certain uh, level of income. And the Supreme Court struck that down. And so now nobody's getting help. <laughs> That's basically what's yeah. happening. And, and uh, a and- lot of people don't realize is now capitalism's really gone to the schools. It's a big issue. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I was going to say is that schools are being run for profit. They're being run for businesses like businesses without the purpose of 
properly educating and, and growing the next generation, but really just to make the most profit off of even, even the nonprofit schools, like in Philadelphia, we have university of Pennsylvania. They have an absolutely insane endowment and it's because of how much they charge for tuition. Does that go back to the students? Does that go back to the professors? Does that go back to the the city who's, whose land they're sitting on and they don't pay taxes? No, it doesn't. That's just the school profiting and the system really needs to change mm-hmm. like that. Cause it's just, a, even my daughter, my younger daughter, she showed me recently, um, she had to pay $45 just to go uh, get into her homework. And I was like, what, what's then I showed the oldest one. And I guess this is a new thing that colleges are doing. So it's people, to, you know, a lot of people don't understand when they're against the student debt or thinking that some kids are taking out loans. It's, the schools are really there's something needs to be changed. And and how would you say as a um you as a candidate, how could you help this change start off? And we'll start just with something I know a little bit about because I'm dealing with two kids in college right now. How would you as a candidate say you could help change the system? Because it, it is like broken and it needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So it depends what office I am running for, because mm-hmm. there's different powers to different offices. When I ran for Congress, I ran on a new deal for education, and that involved a multifaceted approach of making sure that teachers were paid better and not just teachers, but all school uh, staff and employees and a tuition-free public college, but all just better education throughout the levels so that people don't feel like they have to pursue higher education, have to pursue that master's degree or that PhD, and that they're actually equipped with the skills to get a living wage coming out of undergrad, which is now almost impossible. If you only have a high school degree, you're you're not making a living wage. You're oh you're, no, yeah. Not even with a uh regular bachelor's. You can't yeah. It's just impossible. It's just impossible. So this, you know, I don't, it's just a rich is going to get richer and richer. And it's a, it's a cycle that needs to be changed. And it's just, you know, I'm glad it's somebody like you that you have, you saw these differences and you, you've had the experience and you understand, and you're kind of, you're a big voice for other sex workers uh, because you've been there, you understand everything that's going on and you, you understand the need of how, things in society just need to change mm-hmm. overall yeah. yeah and the stigma um how what are your feelings now with the you know how they do the human trafficking and FOSTA SESTA and all that what are your thoughts and feelings on that I'm curious to know on human trafficking or right right you know how in human I'll bring it up like this uh you know, when FOSTA SESTA happened, I st- afterwards, after it was passed, I saw all these crazy campaigns and it would be like a black man and a white woman in the back and say something about human trafficking. And <laughs> I, I've been in the adult entertainment business for a very long time and I never witnessed anybody being trafficked that didn't want to be trafficked. That being said, were they stolen? Were they kidnapped? No, you know, uh, were that I ever know of anybody that was a pimp? Yes. Were the people with them? It was more of a consulting sort of a relationship type deal. It was never, I've never witnessed anybody being kidnapped or forced to do sex work that didn't want to. I personally haven't in my years. Right. Um, that's something big that 
I feel like it needs to change overall for this country for people to understand better. And I think you would be the perfect person as a you know candidate eventually in office to change that narrative. Well, I think we have to be careful about language because okay. uh, having having a pimp isn't the same thing as trafficking, and it's not like consensual trafficking. human trafficking is real but it's not the fear-mongered uh situation where young white girls are snatched off the street by black men and into uh brothels and other uh unconsenting sexual situations Mm -hmm. um what really a big root cause of human trafficking is is strict borders it's it's a immigration is a very big problem with human trafficking because as as you know with sex work it yes it is consensual mm-hmm. and, but the need is there the it's there's it's need based that's why you you need the money. You, it's it's an economic need. The same thing, whether it's economic or safety reasons, someone needs to cross the border into a better life. And sometimes the only ways they can do that is by really handing over their their lives or their trust to the person who's going to get them across the border. Mm-hmm. The, and then. From there, that's how trafficking situations can occur because they might hold that uh, fear of being deported over a worker and put the, put them in a, uh, exploitive conditions that right. trafficking, sexual right. sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. I just personally, in my sex worker history, I've never witnessed, you know, when people come to me and, you know, I've heard the the van and the Walmart or yeah, you, you, you and I both know that's like the big fib out there. And yeah. it's, and that need, that needs to change. Cause that's what caused a lot of problems. I feel like FOSTA SESTA did cause a lot of problems for a lot of sex workers. Absolutely. And, and it's been, uh, you know, they did shut down Backpage and they've shut down a lot of services, but I've seen, I have witnessed it like just on social media, people being pushed out more on the street. Mm-hmm. And it's a very sad, unfortunate thing. Now, I have this question for you because I'm just very curious. How hard was it to go run at first for you? Like, share with me, like, the the difficulty and all that. Of running for office? Running for yeah. office is extremely hard. Uh, yeah. It's not It's not very clear. There, I mean, there are some programs that teach you how to run, but not from left-wing politics, not if you come from a marginalized community that's going to leave you stigmatized. Mm -hmm. Uh, So launching a run for office is incredibly difficult. And and seeing the campaign trail through to election day is incredibly difficult. It is attacks on your mind, body, soul, finances, uh, relationships, all of it. Um, And then on top of that, you, you add you add in how I ran for office, which was coming forward with a lot of my story. And the reason I did that was because I live in a very politically active area. So you have to reach a lot of voters. And 
you want those the the majority of the voters to vote for you the only way that they're going to vote for you is if they trust you and how do how do you earn trust they need to understand what how you're going to move why you think the way that you think and so i had to be transparent about what i've been through so that they could understand that i i see humans in in the shadows and i've been in the shadows and that's who i'm going to fight for i've been in positions of power and balance and harassment and abuse. And so that's who I'm going to fight for. And because I've known certain situations, that is where my fight is. But also with that transparency, a lot of people who knew me in a, in a certain way, all of a sudden learned me in a different way. And that was very difficult too. Wow. That's a lot of... <laughs> It just seems like a lot of work, like a lot of work, but I applaud you for doing that. And we do need, you know, we need sex workers that are going to eventually like, you know, everybody eventually leaves sex work and we need people, we need nurses and doctors that are former sex workers. So when they do come across us that are currently in the sex work, we don't receive judgment. And I feel like that's very important for whoever is listening that is a sex worker, if they're planning on leaving you know, don't sleep on and don't feel like you shouldn't take the chance and take the leap. And that that's very amazing what you did. Cause I, I could never me with this podcast. That's enough stress for me, let alone, I can't imagine running for any type of office. I would be just gosh. And um, when you did your campaign campaign and everything, were you knocking on doors or how did you get out? How was all that process to get to know more of your residents around you? Yeah, we did all of it. We did phone banks. We did text banks. We did canvassing, which is door knocking. Uh, we're out at different events. I, all of it. Wow. Wow. You really worked your butt. Yep. So proud of you. Yeah. yeah. So what are now your plans, you would say, for the future? What do you want to look? What would you like to be in five years from now? Um. Well, it. It's tough when you run for office because you kind of have to set your sights on the campaign trail and the election day, and you can't think past that. Mm-hmm. Um, so since election day, I've been figuring out what I want to do next, and I care a lot about soccer. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of soccer in Philadelphia, and there's almost no girls who play it because it's been divested from the city. So I'd like to find a way to get more girls to play soccer in Philly. Um, I think that there's a lot of education to be formed around the politics of sexuality and, and sex and, and love and marriage. And so I think providing education through that. And then there's some things that I, some issues that I touched upon on the campaign trail that I plan to keep advocating for and trying to find ways to get things done for the betterment of people. That's good. So you played soccer throughout high school or when you were younger? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I I graduated in three years from college, so I wasn't able to play for the school team, but I was president of the club team at University of Richmond. Oh, wow. So you finished college in exactly three years. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You did it pretty quick. And you, you probably went during the summers and it it saved a little bit of money. Yes, that's good. That's great. I hope my younger one does. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's such a yeah, she just entered. She's in her first year. And uh, 
yes, I told her, don't worry about a major just yet. So, so she's got a long ways to go, but the oldest is almost done. And that's been a challenge. Um, So how far, what year did you graduate college? 14. Okay. 2014. And tell us like, how did you, you, you start to leave sex work? Was it just, you were, you were dancing during college at that time to just hurry up and pay? How did that go about that transition? Uh, No, it wasn't transition. It was very abrupt. Um, Mm -hmm. I was, it was a, a slow day at the club and there were certain rules that you had to work day shift once a week, which nobody, nobody wants to work day shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and they management was having us play a card game. Mm-hmm. Wow. How much do you want to get into the, these details about what it's like working at a club? Oh, go right ahead. Cause I, this is all an audio, so you can speak. I've, yeah. Okay. You could, you could just share. Go okay. ahead. Yeah. Um, so every time you sold a lap dance, you pulled a card like you were in poker, mm-hmm. you were building a hand. And uh, I was, you know, working and pulling my cards and I got a straight and got to the end of my shift. It was, I didn't work a double that day. So I was getting ready to go home. Well, not to go home, to go back to school. <laughs> um, and I went to management to do my payout uh, because you have to pay to work at a club. Oh yeah. I know that <laughs> feeling. Um, and, but they, you would get, if you, if you won the poker hand out of everyone else working, you're going to get a, a, like a discount or something like that. I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly. And so I was like, did I win? And they were like, you did. And I was like, awesome. That's straight, like hard to beat. And they were like, no, that's not why you won. And I was like, oh, what, why, why did I win? They were like, nobody, nobody else in the club had sold a single lap dance. Only I had. Mm-hmm. And they were giving me this look like you're in trouble. And I was in trouble. Um, so I had to, I asked if somebody would go into the changing room with me, they wouldn't bring someone in with me. Um, and I almost got stabbed while I was in there because I had been the only one who had made money that day. I grabbed my stuff and ran. Um, I was done. Oh, man. Yeah, nobody really talks about the way sex work can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Nobody really expressed. I'm sorry that happened. Um, I've seen my fair share of things go on on strip clubs through the years. So I totally get where you're going. And I know how man, I have sued a few strip clubs in my day, in fact, too, um, because of being mistreated and also the fact that when you're put on schedule and you're independent contractor, that's just not right altogether. And you've, you've, you've obviously been through what I've been through too with strip clubs. Um, I didn't, I'm sorry, this happened to you. That didn't happen to me that bad, but uh, that's also where we need to change for sex workers. You know, when stuff like that happens, we should be able to go to the police and report something happened, you know, um, no, no way I was going to the police. Right. right. I, yeah. Cause I know how they, they get, but it, what I'm saying is with incidents like that, clubs need to take care of their girls. You know what I mean? I had an incident happen to me one time I was in California working at a club 
And it was a very slow night. We didn't make any money at all. And I had like two bags and the bouncer walked me out and he goes, don't worry. He by accident, I thought I had the bag, but he kept it on purpose. I went back the next day and my shift was over and they go, oh, he has it. And basically the same bouncer and he knew he goes, well, you made money tonight. You can give me money now for what you made up today. And I go, again, it was another slow night. I barely had enough for the babysitter. And I was like, that's extortion. You get what I'm saying? He's like holding my items and all throughout my shift, refusing to give me stuff. I had to bring in a whole different pair of shoes, I remember. And I was like, after that happened, and I had to, I had to pay, give him money to get back my stuff. So I left there with no money two days in a row. But I did turn around and sue them. Good. And they settled out of court. <laughs> so that's what I did. I just, I, I've been through it too with strip clubs where, you know, and I've been sexually assaulted in strip clubs, um, not by customers, by yeah. management. Yeah. yeah. Man- that That is something that throughout the campaign trail, their journalists didn't know how to talk, how to talk about sex work. Yeah. And so there was like the glorification of it. And I, it it was hard to explain how toxic management. Right. Is. And that was the biggest yeah. issue I had the whole time dancing was here I am. What am I doing? I was not on drugs. I was not drinking. I'm just showing up for work, working my shift. I paid my taxes. I'm not on welfare. I'm a single parent making sure both of, you know, throughout the years, making sure my children were fed right, taken care of. And the management, they kind of use their leverage to abuse the girls. And that happens in a lot of strip clubs. Right. I, and- I Yeah, I was the same way. Not on drugs. I didn't drink a single drop in the club ever. I, I because I would be studying if it was slow or leaving to, to, to go home and, and study after I only worked till midnight. I didn't stay till three. Um, but yeah. And, and it was, it's like, they didn't see the human in us in in the dancers and the workers there because everyone there had a story. A lot of at the club that I worked at, a lot of the girls were paying for school, but they were, they were badass. Like one, but there were also moms there too. There was a, there was a nursing student or recently she had just become a nurse, dentist, dental student, attorney, <laughs> like they, yeah. it, it was, and, but the way that management treated all of us was just scum on their shoe. So yeah. dehumanizing. It was like they hated us. Yeah. It's, it's very disgusting what happens when you are a stripper, And, you know, in different forms of sex work, people are taken advantage of and people don't know the other end of it. And that's why it's important. We need, you know, we need people like you that have been there, that understand it to change things for the future for other sex workers. Well, the way the economy is, a lot of people have to get into sex work Mm -hmm. just to pay their bills, just to figure out stuff like that. My thing was, I didn't want to be on welfare. Yeah. Um, And what was crazy is the way publicly a lot of people would treat me and, and it's just crazy. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? The system is just, things need to be changed, but we definitely do need people for you. So that, so it ended abruptly for you. And then how was going into the next job that you proceeded to do? What what did you do after that? So, well, so 
when I was in college, mm-hmm. this was back in early 2000s, I, nobody knew, almost nobody knew that I was leading a double life, mm-hmm. that I was working at a strip club and going to school. So mm-hmm. I went, I came straight to Philadelphia for a master's program. I was planning on becoming a doctor and I fell in love with Philadelphia. I wanted to stay. And because I wanted to stay, I was like, there's no way that my face can be in a club in case I see someone who's, who's going to interview me for med school. I can't do that. So that made life very, very hard for me. And I worked in restaurants during my master's program. Um, And coming out of that, I, I had to work multiple jobs just to try to pay my bills. Um, I was in student debt for the master's program. That was on, I was uh, barely, I was living paycheck to paycheck and barely able to feed myself and my dog. I, sometimes I had to pick who I, who I was going to feed. Um, and so it was really tempting to go back, but I was so scared, so scared that my face would be seen there and that, that memory, I would meet somebody who would destroy my future. Um, and what ended ended up happening, which ends up happening which ends up this I'll circle back to this, but I became financially dependent on my partner at the time. And that led to domestic abuse and, and sexual abuse. And I think when we talk about violence against women, we always talk about domestic and sexual violence, but we don't recognize that the police state and the stigma against sex workers and how it, that danger of destroying, potentially destroying our futures of living under stigma, living in the shadows pushes us into other dangerous situations. It's the exact same thing that happened with FOSTA SESTA. Yeah, no, I had a friend of mine's mom told me one time, this was crazy what she told me. I had a very good friend of mine and her mom told me, I wish, because she knew I was a dancer and this was time. And it kind of gave me validation. Um, She goes, I wish when I was a single mom, I could have just danced. She goes, I really regret the relationships I had to be in and how it affected my children's lives. Because she was in domestic violence situations and her kids, who was one of my good friends, had a lot of, you know, her children witnessed violence because she had no choice but to stay in these relationships. Mm -hmm. And it was very nice of her to say that to me because I felt like it was one, it was a moment in time that I felt kind of good that, hey, I'm doing this and I'm doing this for my children. You know what I'm saying? And her mom did not show any judgment, which her, her daughter was dancing too. But the fact that she said that to me, because I remained single for many years, I didn't want to put my child through that children through like a bad relationship of any sorts um you know what i'm saying but that's what happens when women cannot be independent right and we we don't get paid as much as men no yeah but financial independence the is is a root cause for for sex work and and violence against women which involves the violence that occurs in sex work but also in in the homes and staying with people that you're financially dependent upon. Right, right. So you went through that. So you understand the needs of domestic violence, 
um, survivors and you really have gone through, you really are the, 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 yeah. a great candidate to, to vote for somebody that does understand instead of the typical politician that's had the spoon, the, you know, and, yeah. and then we could go to reproductive rights, which that I can't understand why, um, I always say any man that's gotten any type of woman would be for repro- women's reproductive rights. Um, cause a, a, abortion is very much needed. Um, you know, because of children being born, born and going into foster care is a very sad situation. It is a sad situation, but the limitation on reproductive rights is a lot of control over women. And so we are, we were just talking about economic independence Mm -hmm. and women are educating themselves more. They're going into sex work more so that they can find ways to not have to get married, not have to be in those domestically unsafe situations or further their, their education they're climbing the the career ladders. I mean, we're not equal yet, yeah. but that's all a threat to men and the patriarchy. So how can you control women? Well, you can force them to have children. Mm. Yeah. And then the thing is they force you to have children, but then they want to take away a lot of government programs that are helping single mothers. Yeah. They want to like, who is going to take care of these children? Who's going to provide proper education? It just, it doesn't, it, it needs to be, it needs to make sense. It does. I, mean, I think so from their perspective, it does. Who's going to take care of them? The, the mom. Go, you, yeah. you, you can't do it as a single mom. Go marry someone. Yeah. Go marry and, a man. Yeah. And that, and not every man is ready to be a father or be established. No, they have they a have long time problems. to grow up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are, I will say there are some good men out there that have been excellent fathers. I've, I've known a lot of good men that have been great fathers. So I'm not trying to, we're not trying to put down men, but we're just trying to educate people because as women, you know, it's our body and it takes a whole lot for us to have children. And then to raise children is expensive. And daycare costs and preschool um we need programs like head start we need programs like WIC. uh certain programs we need you know certain we don't what we don't need though is people of course abusing it but there something needs to be evened out for everybody and and a lot of people don't realize also when you go in for a master's you cannot get any grants you yeah. have to pay for it yourself and pick out loans and the colleges now are just it's just it's like I, I'm seeing both of my kids tuition and I'm like wait a minute even if I dance like it's so expensive now like my day I I remember it was like 34 an hour uh when I w- was back in college it was like 34 I think the most I ever paid was like 70 a credit hour And now it's just gone up so much. It's ridiculous. And then all these little fees on top of the book or this fee, that fee, it's, we need, we really need with the colleges stop them profiting so much. Mm -hmm. We need to, we need, something needs to change. Now to this current, um, share with us about your OnlyFans um, and how that came about and all that you said from the troll Mm -hmm. or that experience. Yeah, uh, there 
was a troll who said, can't wait for you to lose your election election and be a loser on OnlyFans. So I said, not OnlyFans isn't for losers. I'm going to make one and mm-hmm. I made one on the spot. Um, didn't think about much. It was kind of a spur of the moment thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it kind of took off. It, it's, I've been on it ever since using it as a, a platform to continue to educate on spicy politics. Educate. Love that. <laughs> Love that. What a journey. And how many years have you had it now? Uh, a year and three months. A lot of work. That's a lot of work. I know. I sure know that about the OnlyFans. That's that's a great thing. So you turned a troll around and you just took charge. How do you feel in the um seeing all the media about sex work now being sensationalized? How do you feel about that? Like with OnlyFans, share with me. Uh, with OnlyFans, you mean yeah. like the New York Post? Yeah, like these articles. That's kind of why it brought me to come up with this podcast, because I wanted to share the truths on sex work and what, you know, what the reality of it, because I just see people that just they opened an OnlyFans and all of a sudden they're making this crazy amount, but they're not really sharing the reality or the truth of everything of sex work. Yeah, I I mean, the everything, the, the hardest part of sex work for me because as I said, as I said that when I was working in a club, and again, I haven't done all all kinds of sex work, so my knowledge is limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was unusual to be there without any drugs, without any alcohol, just kind of raw dogging it. Excuse mm-hmm. my language. Yeah. Um, and when when some of my uh, I got a master, excuse me, not a master's, I got a bachelor's in psychology so my professors were psychologists and professors or or things like that and when they found out when I was running for congress that I had been working as a stripper while attending their classes they they reached out with a lot of concern a lot of sympathy and they were like were you okay mentally why, you, you know, I know a lot, they, they were like, I've known a lot of sex workers who need to be prescribed anti-anxiety medications because mm-hmm. of how hard it is to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, as I said, I, I raw dogged it and it was, it was messed up. Um, my, I felt like my brain was splitting in two because I was li- living two separate lives. I had my stage name, I had my real name. Um, and I was so scared about people from my school finding out and being kicked out of school. Um, And then now on OnlyFans, there's like a constant, and this was true in the club, but I was just so rock solid, but there's just a constant push on boundaries. There's a constant request for more. Can you do more? Mm, Yeah. And it's like, no, why don't you just, you know, take what I'm going to give and that's it. Right. No. And I think sex workers, I hate to say this, but I call them pandemic Becky's girls that just came in sex work during the pandemic. That's my little coin term. But they when you're a sex worker, as long as you do it or if you've done it for a while or a couple of years, you've got to know your boundaries Mm -hmm. and you got to stick with your boundaries. And all money is not good money. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's important. Um overall, like, like 
first in the beginning OnlyFans was great it was it was so you know you could charge a certain price like 10.99 and get it but then I think as it got popular I noticed the increase of fans and they're just pushing the boundaries pushing the boundaries and never and you have to do overall on sex work what you're comfortable doing yeah and not look at the next person and go, oh, let me go there. And then I feel like, because I one thing about me, I've never done professional porn. I have two adult daughters. I have very good friends that are porn stars. Um, my best friend um, that I love her to death, she's the craziest porn star, probably the wildest one. I admire <laughs> her a lot. I love her, Ava Devine. Um, she's a great person. But I knew that was meant for her not yeah. me. And I, you know, so going into sex work, I think all sex workers, we, you can't look at, oh, if I do this, I'm going to get more money. You need to think overall about your future. What's next? You know, you need to, and, and not, and and do what you're comfortable and do what you're not regretting. I myself used to raw dog it. I never did. I never drank. Um, I did have a period of time where I did play around with drugs, but it wasn't, I never had an addiction, thank God. Um, but I never was, I did it pretty much sober and I never, you know, it, it, it was a lot mentally. Yes. For me, you, as you know, it's a whole lot, but you know, the people that I did see that did it because of addiction, I noticed they had so much regret doing sex work and they had so many issues and needed so much counseling, um, afterwards. It was, it's just, yeah. Yeah. And and uh, I, I mean, even with working with some of the some of the girls, like they would get they would get kind of drunk uh, sometimes and there would be creepy men and it would be like, hey, 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 back up. She she's <laughs> not fully in her right mind and she's not in like she she's not even into men, dude. She's not, she, <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> want you. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was just there. It, yeah, it was a really vulnerable situation because for some, some of the dancers there, that was the only way they could do it. That was the only way that they could get up on stage and take their clothes off. That was the only way they could do the conversations and the lap dances and all of that. <laughs> I, would really struggle with champagne rooms because there was a sense of entitlement of, well, I'm spending so much money. What are you going to do? That's extra for me in here. And it was like, nothing (laughs) you, (laughs) you, you decided to spend that money. There was nothing that said that I was going to do, give you something else. So it, it's, um, yeah. Oof. Yeah. That constant push on the boundaries, it, it, it really, it it just, it kind of just ends up, I you feel like bruised. You feel yeah. so. Yeah, no, that constant boundaries or um, when they, when fans or clients or anyone is too much, it's just, they don't realize how you know, we're women and we need to protect ourselves and we we're bound, you know, we have as sex workers, we need to have boundaries. I feel like there needs to be some sort of public education for sex workers. I know that's probably going to be a long time before they do it. Hopefully when my podcast, people will listen, 
but uh, I think it's Nina Hartley in one of my episodes, somebody said, never do what you don't feel comfortable doing in the bedroom. And that's what every, so I believe she quoted that as somebody said that one of my podcasts, I'll have to listen. I don't know which one, um, but that's as, as a sex worker, they need to do. And then also, mm-hmm. I think going in with, you know, we saw all this publicity out there with great. It was only fans was good, but all these new baby sex workers coming in they need to worry about the future because of what you're going you know what you've been through how you know that was what would you advise anybody that plans to eventually leave to make an easy transition what would you say would be your best advice to somebody like that that wants to go into a different career after sex work oh my gosh um (laughs) boundaries I I I don't know how else for for me I was so secretive Mm -hmm. about where I was working and what I was doing off campus um so the only the I also was working at Victoria's Secret at the time damn you were so you had three like uh, yeah I also worked in restaurants while I was I yeah this was while you always were in masters not when you're on your bachelor's right no when I when I was in my on my bachelor's I I I had different I mean I didn't have all the jobs at the same time okay you danced at that time for the bachelor's right okay yeah but I also worked at Victoria's Secret for a a portion of that time um because I lived off campus Mm, okay so um and then I also had to pay for summer classes too. And yeah, as as for my audience out there, for summer classes, grants do not cover, often cover the summer classes because I have paid for my daughters to take summer classes before. So I know that because yeah. some people don't understand. They think that a lot of students are just pulling loans left or right. When yeah. you get grants such as the Pell Grant, that's only covering the tuition um for the regular school year not the summer yeah and then when you once you do live off campus now you're paying for a separate apartment you're paying more of a higher price so for my audience out there that doesn't understand I like to educate people because sometimes people don't understand situations yeah um oh but so I'd be in Victoria's Secret and somebody would come in you know shopping for their wife's birthday and Mm -hmm. they'd be like do I know you? And that I was like, Oh, I don't think so. I just have a face like that. But it was, that was when I was in my different world. Um, Mm. So there's always that chance that if, if you are working in the sex industry and because it's so sensationalized within the United States and our media, that you're going to be recognized and somebody's going to call you out. So I think that if you can have some people who are going to protect you, who are going to say, you know, that this isn't a big deal, this isn't something to stigmatize her for. And I say her because majority of sex workers are women. There are men out there, but her you can is a pretty safe bet. Yeah, majority is female. Um, that just... Uh, clean clean break if you can 
Yeah, clean break. Yeah, because it there is a time where everybody I know I want I I personally look forward to the day I could finally close my I'm blessed to have my OnlyFans. I got to watch what I say, but I look forward to the day that I can finally just shut that chapter. Um, so that way I can just you know what I'm saying because finally stop after all the years of being in sex work so it's it's a I appreciate my fans and I appreciate everybody through the years that has supported me but I look forward to the day that I could finally full-on do a whole different business venture yeah and, you know and I think a lot of a lot of people that are in sex work want that you know they want to eventually leave but what's hard is just finding that next job and getting to that next um, opportunity or even when like you said when you were trying to go to school for your master's you had a you put yourself in a bad situation not in a bad situation on purpose you got into a relationship it could have ended up in marriage um but it wasn't a safe one and right. that's what happens you know we we need to change a lot of things in this country and you know we need people like you to change help change things for us yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to take all of us. I, yeah. I think we all have a role to play. Uh, and there's, there's no one, no one can do it more for us than ourselves. So yeah. I, I think that we all have to keep pushing, we have to keep having these conversations. Uh, and I, I mean, it, it sounds like you are very concerned about the the stigma following you to another job but I think if you can think about this as an experience where it's been hard but it's also taught you a lot and there's been uh skills and strengths that you have pulled from yeah. it not to glamorize it yeah not, um but to bring that into your next chapter then there's less of a chance that it will be used against you yeah, no, I'm always up front with my past occupation. Um, it's easier. This is, I don't know if you have this, but it's easier for me to admit to men versus other women. And when I say other women, I'm talking about other women that are not in sex work. That tends to be the hardest. I've, I've noticed um, I have quite a few friends that they were prior sex workers, so they kind of understand it. Um, but whenever I'm dealing with a female that wasn't in sex work, there's always this bit of, unknown judgment do you find that true for yourself or am I the only one going through that hmm. when you're dealing with other females that are not sex workers you know I don't I don't feel I feel judgment like that from different people I, hmm. I haven't noticed oh, so when when I first started running for Congress, I was working, um, I, I had two jobs and one of them was coaching mm -hmm. and I was coaching girls soccer. The, the girls saw some of my posts on social media, told their parents, their parents told the club and pushed me out of my coaching <gasps> job. So um. my thought there is that that was probably the moms. That was probably mm -hmm. the moms. But that being said, from the men, they think that you have sex brain, where you are just only, the only thing you think about is sex. You love being sexualized. You love being objectified. 
you you are horny all the time and uh stupid i that i feel like that's what i get from men and from women it's a it's a discomfort with someone expressing their sexuality so forwardly when they've been told they can't do that right right now when when women when women that haven't done i've just noticed it's like sort of like it's like an awkward situation when they do find out and Hmm. you know then i have to do like explaining a bit and i've had some people ask me weird questions and i'm i just i just tell them so in case they find out there's no issue, no problem. And then a lot, I have two different podcasts. Another one's comedy. And I let a lot of the, the comics know. Um, yeah, I was a stripper for many years and and I just, I'm, I just put it out there. I don't care. It was, yeah. a, it was a big, I, it, for me, it was very many years that I danced. So it was a big part of my life. And I did learn a whole lot. I learned about like negotiating for money that was a very good thing. I sh- I know how to negotiate. Um, one thing about strippers, we can talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I have this great skill where I can identify what type of lawyer somebody is, whether a corporate, a civil or criminal attorney. And f- oh. like in five minutes of talking, I've always been able to distinguish and I could, uh, I could tell, oh, okay, you're really stressed out. You're a corporate attorney, aren't you? <laughs> They're like, how did you know? And uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So I I have that crazy skill that you know I'm I'm able to talk to everybody. So I did. I've learned a lot from uh, a lot from stripping. Believe it or not, and I'm not encouraging anybody because you and I, when we both showed our stories to go dance, you go through a lot in those clubs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, you go through a whole lot. Now I'm seeing with OnlyFans that's very sad is I'm seeing these management companies take a advantage of women all the time. Um, I'm seeing oh, that. I have exchanged some words with some management companies about their exploitation, but they, oh, certainly, yeah. they certainly yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. They are. I have that now that now it's something new that's going on and it um, with these management companies, I'm, I'm seeing them exploit and take advantage and I've yep. seen all kinds of crazy things. So anybody listening out there, be very cautious with management companies. Yeah. Very, very cautious. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and I appreciate you so much for your time. I appreciate you for running your campaign. I was watching the whole time. Um, even though I'm over here in New York above you, but I was like rooting for you because it's nice. To, I saw myself in you because I'm like, finally, there's somebody that's not ashamed to admit of their past and they want to do something to change. And we need more people like you that are going to change the narrative for the whole world. I appreciate Thank that. Thank you. Could you please tell my audience where they can find you at? You can find me on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, plug that in. OnlyFans.com slash Alexandra M. Hunt. Uh, I'm also on TikTok and Instagram with the Alexandra Hunt. And I am on X or Twitter at Hunt, the number four change. Yes. And thank you. And my name is Marcella Alonzo. You can find me on IG, Marcella Sobella, on Facebook, Marcella Sobella, on um YouTube, Marcella Sobella. Check out all my links are at marcellasobella.com and come and join my Patreon where you can see this episode. Thank you again, Alexandra, for coming on Get School.
Thank you.